If you are a teacher, parent, administrator, student, and or anyone who loves reconnecting children with nature, and you want to figure out how to cultivate learning gardens and nature-based curriculum, then this is the podcast, the Outdoor Classrooms Podcast. My name is Victoria Hackett. I am the founder of OutdoorClassrooms.com and the Secret Gardens Nature Classes. I love witnessing the magic that happens when children are playfully learning outdoors, observing the return of wonder and curiosity when children are interacting with nature is pure magic. This is the podcast that is going to help you capture children's interest and give you not only inspiration, but some real life strategies that are going to help you figure out how to use the outdoor space, your outdoor space, as a teaching tool so you can enlighten the playful learning experience for young children. Welcome to our Outdoor Classrooms community. Welcome back to the Outdoor Classrooms podcast. Today we are in Toronto, Canada with Julia Donnelly O'Neill, who is the founder of the Toronto Nature School. This month, this entire month, we are collaborating with the Outdoor School Shop and digging into getting outdoors. So what makes this this episode unique is that we the Toronto Nature School is in the city. And so we're going to be really digging in with Julia and learning about how to incorporate a nature forest school in the city. So and how to get outdoors. Julia is an Ontario certified elementary teacher with over 10 years of experience teaching kindergarten to grade three and special education in the Toronto District School Board. She received her Bachelor of Education from Queen's University Concurrent Education Program. Julia has a strong knowledge of Ontario curriculum and develops the programming for the Toronto Nature School that teaches the whole child. Julia has obtained many additional qualifications from Ontario Institute for Studies in Education, including courses in teaching kindergarten special education. She also holds qualifications in teaching reading. In 2014, Julia was selected to be part of a collaborative project led by the David Suzuki Foundation to develop outdoor curriculum units. It was during this time that she began to understand the importance of outdoor learning. And in the fall of 2020, Julia founded the Toronto Nature School. I'm going to have her tell us more about that. It is another tour and talk, so all those circle members are able to see the actual visual pictures. And so come on over if you want to see those. If you are interested in getting little treats from the outdoor school shop, we are getting our waterproof on and jumping in the mud with 20% off the entire price of the rain category at the outdoor school shop. So use podcast, that's the special code, podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, at checkout, and you will get 20% off the entire full price of rain category just for listening to this podcast. So we are thrilled to be collaborating with the outdoor school shop. And without further ado, I'd like to welcome Julia Donnelly O'Neill from the Toronto Nature School. We are here with Julia, and Julia is in Canada, right, Julia? Yes, I'm coming from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So welcome, welcome. She is the founder of the Toronto Nature Schools. I'm going to have her tell us where she is coming from and how she founded the Toronto Nature School. Welcome. Great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, so... 
We are located in Toronto, in Ontario, and we are in an urban center. We are downtown on Queen Street East. That is our indoor space, so it's a very busy, popular street in the city, and that is where our indoor location is. And we use the outdoor spaces around that. We have beach that we walk to south from our school, which is on Lake Ontario. And then we have a forest space that we go to that's north of our school in a ravine in our neighborhood. That's incredible. Incredible. So today, this month, we're actually talking about a whole, the whole theme this month is going to be get how to get outdoors. And I think it's fascinating to have you as one of our guests talking about really how to get outdoors and, and also be a forest school. So you are uh, identify as a forest school. And but before I want to backpedal a little bit in terms of uh, your background and ha- what you didn't just one day decide, OK, what can you tell us a little bit about your journey to this point? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm one of those people that kind of was a teacher from from childhood, like <laughs> teaching the neighborhood kids basketball for a dollar, <laughs> teaching my, <laughs> my cousins, be my students. Um, always had that passion and and that desire to, to teach. Um, so that led me to Teachers College, got certified, and then I started working for um, the Toronto District School Board, which is, I think, one of the biggest school boards in North America, maybe. So very large, very busy um, school board. And I, I know... Every every country is different, but uh, here in Ontario, there's there's some things that don't quite align with my vision of education uh, that are is happening in the school board, especially as the years go on. So I started teaching kindergarten and grade one uh, in the school board. I loved loved it. Then I started kind of hearing like little bits about outdoor education, and I got chosen with a few people in my school to work with the David Suzuki Foundation. Uh, to really test out some curriculum units and and to try those out and have that space and time with other educators to get together and really talk about the lessons, take them back to our classrooms, try them out, bring them back, and see what worked, what didn't. And an example of that is we did bird feeders, mm-hmm. and we kind of hung them on the fence of our school because we didn't really have any trees. And still, we're really trying to bring those into the public school. And so there, my head kind of got spinning around outdoor education. And then I, I started researching it myself a little bit, and I started working. My next position within the public board was working at outdoor kindergarten classrooms. So the kids would come outside for an hour, and I would see all the, all the kindergarten classes. So it was kind of, we called it a prep position. So similar to going to the gym or the library, but just outdoors. And there we didn't have any trees. We had garden plants. <laughs> so we had a water wall that we made out of zip ties and plumbing, plumbing utensils. And wow. Then I started seeing the kids out there. We had tricycles and lots of space to move around. And a lot of these kids were living in Chinatown in Toronto, so a lot of ESL population. Um, a lot of kids that didn't really speak too much that I inside that I would see engaging and play outdoors. Sort of that intimidation factor that I would notice in the classroom with some of those students was gone outside. And then it would be super rainy, and the principal would say, you'd have to bring them in. And I'd bring them in and get put in this tiny classroom with nothing, and... I kind of wondered, like, are these the same kids? Because there was conflicts that were starting and kids that were engaged outside, weren't participating. And, yeah, from there I had three boys uh, and started looking for something in the city for my boys when I was on um, my maternity leave and realized there wasn't really something like this that existed. In Toronto, outside of the city, there was many options, but 
very limited within the city. And then I was going to the beach and these spaces, they were deserted <laughs> during Monday to Friday, which I thought was a loss. And so my brain started moving on that. And then COVID <laughs> 2020 came and all the kids were in their houses. And I was like, now is the time to kind of start this idea that was happening inside. So I began at the local park, um, just a few steps from where we are doing it now. Um, I met I wanted to have five kids to, to do it. I thought that I needed five kids to, to make it worthwhile. And, you know, a couple of days before I got the fifth kid signed up, I was like, okay, we're going to go. Um, so they met me outside, and um, we just started three hours, three times a week uh, to go to these spaces. And, you know, everything I had then I was carrying. So yeah. a couple of totes. I didn't have a space for the bathrooms as such then, and we weren't allowed to go inside then either. So we thought that the three-hour frame worked well for that. Um, we took a pause in January, February, because it's very cold here in that time, and we didn't have the indoor space. And then we started back up in the spring, and then slowly people started to hear about it and wanted to register. And then I started with a summer camp. I had eight eight people, because as a teacher, I didn't really think I'd be working in the summer. Um, and so from those eight people, I was like, I'll take eight kids by myself for summer camp. But then the wait list became eight people long. So then I hired someone, and now we've just been growing since then. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So again, for those that are listening, we have, uh, this is another sort of tour and talk. So uh, come on over to the Circle membership, and you'll be able to see these gorgeous, gorgeous pictures. And again, what I love is that you are really working from the city. That, I think, makes your school quite unique. And so the first pictures that we're looking at are your beautiful, beautiful, very serene indoor space. It's a funny place to start as we're talking about outdoor classrooms, but I, it's in, I'm so glad you told your story because you didn't start with it. You didn't even have an indoor space. And again, you don't necessarily have an outdoor classroom. You're going city to explore different places. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, and that's part of when I started to look for the indoor space, I kind of had the vision to have this big, beautiful outdoor classroom as well. But real estate in Toronto and <laughs> space in the city, it's, 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 not really, it's not really practical for this time for our school. Um, but this, this beautiful space used to be a yoga studio. So it's actually down a flight of stairs. So it's, it seems like a basement, but we have the bright window at the back. So it really serves our purpose as well uh, to have that open, welcoming space. And also we have like a, we have a shed on the outside of the school. So there's, that's where we store like the shovels and the sand toys and all those things. So we're not trooping them in and out, but right. it really serves, serves us well in the winter. We still are outside morning and afternoon, but we do have the space to pop into and warm up and store some of our materials and books. Absolutely beautiful. So just describing it, there's it's this beautiful hardwood floors and beautiful wooden tables and white chairs and it's it's just very clean and uh, so you use this sort of as your home base yes yeah well we will um come in there sometimes we meet the kids outside and we'll stay outside during the summer but um during the other months we use this as a home base and we store our first aid stuff and all those materials there too yeah beautiful and the kids store their extra clothes there too which is huge so they're yeah, not so lots of cubbies on the side here yeah yeah so all the extra socks and rain mittens and <laughs> all those things that we we need um lots of tarps and stuff get stored in there stored there too so beautiful yeah. it's a happy place for sure 
And this, it looks like you have one of your teachers doing an activity on a rug. Yeah, that's from our, um, we do a Saturday morning program uh, that we run 9 to 12 on Saturdays. So it kind of gives the kids a chance that might not attend during the week sometimes. That's one of our Saturday classes there. Yeah, and I would say it's a great, great activity for parents because they can drop their kids, do those Saturday errands, go for brunch, yeah. you know, things like that. And they pick their kid up tired and happy and, and kind of have that adventure part of their day taken care of for them. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Again, what we said before was you are inspired by the Scandinavian education system, which is the and part of the score, uh, forest school movement. How the heck, <laughs> being in the city uh, like you are, uh, how can you have a forest school and get outdoors in the city? How how does that? mix and match yeah it's a good question <laughs> we do have a forest um, it's quite small the ravine that we walk to it's you could probably walk the whole ravine in about 10 minutes or 20 minutes if you're with four-year-olds wait, uh, the pictures are gorgeous <laughs> I can't wait to get to the yeah. pictures. um but so I think you really you can have a forest school anywhere really or a nature school you know you don't need all of the land to get outside you know you don't need all the tools you just need some imagination, some energy, um, some kids, yeah. or even adults, um, and and then you're good to go. Like, the idea is that you kind of need to let your surroundings provide the education for you. So how you create that is kind of up to you and, and the kids that you're working with. And so you must create, we talk a lot about systems and routines. You must, mm-hmm. because you're not just opening the door, you need to travel Mm. to these spaces. You must be experts at creating these routines and systems. Yes, because on on that street right near um, the the storefront there, we have streetcars and (laughs) taxis and everything. So yeah, we are pretty routine in that we meet, the kids will come in, then when it's time to go out, there's like a black concrete line that everyone will stand on, and we're very... We're very safe about walking, walking to the forest so that we're stopping at all the lights and no one's running ahead and everyone's aware of those boundaries. We usually have an educator at the front of the line, an educator at the back of the line, keeping them in that, we call it the teacher sandwich. And then kind of once we do cross that threshold where we're, where we get to the, to the forest, then it's kind of like, okay, go, you're free. (laughs) Uh, But there are certain check-in points they know they can't go above and beyond and as the plants begin to grow in the spring you know we stay in different areas but if there is that sense I I think I have it on a couple of videos where you could just like see the release of okay you can go now and you know they never they never lose that spark regardless of how many times they're going there but I think yes having a structure in traveling to spaces and having those boundaries when you get to spaces is very important yeah seems to be key so here we are with different elements of your outdoor spaces that so you're using again outdoor beautiful local you have water mm-hmm. being here so you're going to these spaces is there aside from the space itself is there are there things that you bring to the space that inspire wonder and curiosity or something that you're maybe focused on a theme yeah we'll tend to usually we focus on the the seasonal changes that are happening. I like to say that we have a plan and that we're also ready to throw away our plan when the weather is different or the kids' interest is different. Usually that will relate to something that they're interested in or something that's happening outside. So right now, I know a focus in our class, we just got a worm um, composter system. 
So now we have live worms in the box as well. Which is <laughs> but so now when we're out, we're kind of bringing those books about worms. We're bringing the shovel. We're bringing um, kitchen, old kitchen supplies that we use kind of at the beach for a mud kitchen. But then we also bring them to the forest as well. So usually we do travel with, you know, our backpack first aid, a little potty, all those things. Um, and then we also... Yeah, we also bring a tarp, <laughs> and then we'll bring shovels or sand toys or uh, magnifying glasses. If we're talking about birds, we'll have some of those bigger charts for identification. We'll bring the binoculars. So we try to be specific in what we're bringing, but also leave leave space for the kids to use those materials as they wish once we're there. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I just, again, what the pictures that we're looking at are absolutely stunning. It They are the beach off of Lake Ontario. The kids are just exploring and they look so happy. And can you sort of maybe t- tell us a little bit further about... I'm sort of inspired with the, the beach because I've, I personally, when I research like forest schools and beach schools, you know, I'm fascinated by the schools on the oceans around the world. Like, you know, Lake Ontario is great, but our we don't have that many things compared to the ocean. You know, we talk about pollution and things right. like that too with our lake. But um, I also think just having that horizon from what I've heard too, like with the eyesight and having kids stare at that is oh. so beneficial from especially maybe after a few years of the screens for COVID and just having that water be a relaxation technique for the kids some days the waves are really big and that's a safety thing that we talk about too but some days it's so calm but sort of reinforcing to them when when we're there um we also see ducks and otters or beavers and sometimes those things kind of pop out of the water or we'll see see it because it's the community you know we'll see people kite surfing or the lifeguards when they start training on their boats and we kind of talk to those people within the community and kind of allow that to become part of the lesson as well when we run into people doing things at the beach. And it, does it take you back to, like what you said when we first were talking, that when you would go to the beach during COVID, there would be no one there? And so well, now... Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really cool to see the kids there when on a Monday at 2 o'clock when maybe all their, <laughs> all their friends are inside places. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So here, it looks like there's a kayaker in the water and these little ones just with their hats on and it's just glory with barefoot. Yeah, that's from summer camp. So yeah, we go down there during summer camp. It's beautiful. It's it's a great place to spend the summer as a kid, for sure. Yeah. So any specific philosophy? We talked a little, little bit about. Yeah, I think that, you know, what's important for us at Toronto Nature School is that, you know, all kids kind of feel comfortable to be themselves and that they have the space to learn and that learning can kind of come in different ways for different kids. And because we keep very small ratios, we're kind of able to help help kids in a different way than I think they could get in other programs. And then also providing that that education for kids about the environment and hoping that they'll become these environmental advocates of some sort in their life if they have that connection from a young age. And also for them to learn, like, when they're in the city, regardless of how old they are or in a different city or who knows where they'll be, that they can find these spaces as they grow and, and connect with them and be able to, to feel a connection outside of themselves. And it's beautiful because you really are tapping into the resources that are around you. You're not just creating your outdoor classroom in your 
in the yeah. back space of your school, you are yeah. really using the public as as the um, outdoor space. And that takes a lot of management, which you were talking about before. Mm-hmm. And here, one of the pictures, you have one of your tarps. Mm-hmm. Or it's a blanket. Yeah. <laughs> one thing um, I'll mention, the, in the winter when there's no snow and we're still outside, sometimes like that could we can run into it. Okay, what do we do? Because when there's snow, you know, there's so much building that can happen. There's sledding and this and that. But when there's no snow and it's just cold and mittens have to be on and the ground is frozen. One place that we found that's really connected well with our kids is there's a an ice rink play ice hockey on, but the the Zambonis will shovel all the snow into big, big <laughs> mountains. So the kids call those the Rocky Mountains. You know, they're nowhere near them. And they'll take their shovels and sleds there. So it's different spaces within the community that, that can activate learning without even meaning to. That's so funny. That's so funny. <laughs> but it's beautiful at the same time. And it's just perfect mm-hmm. for really talking about you don't need a big old outdoor mm-hmm. classroom. You can really tap into what is in your community. And that's such a wonderful message. Okay, you sent these pictures. This is your local ravine. This yeah. obviously your forest, but um, <laughs> yeah. I gasped. These are absolutely gorgeous, and it's yeah. so funny because it's it's a forest, and it's right. You're you're located in a city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like we see we see coyotes in there sometimes. Oh. Foxes, different kinds of birds. You can see that little sign that's there in the picture. Those are, those are little explorers in their class. So they're age three and four. They come two hours a week. It's the cutest, cutest class. Um, they bring a snack. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that sign there has a map of the forest, and then it has some of the birds and plants. And the kids always stop there. They want to see where they are in the map. So even in that moment, you know, they're learning about the map reading. They're learning about the native oh. plant. And the birds, and they're so motivated. They love go- they love going in there. And then we hope that the kids will join us, you know, for every season. So then we really watch those changes yeah. happen in real time. So this is in winter, and they're all in their snow pants. And then on the picture on the left is this is sort of a walk. I don't know how to mm-hmm. describe it. Is it like a? Yeah, it's almost like a little. Um, it's like wooden boardwalkish type thing. Yeah, into the forest. It doesn't go the whole way. It goes. It goes maybe um, for the first for the first few minutes, and then it turns into like a dirt path. Oh, it's just then, stunning. I mean, I just I can feel it. Yeah. And I think going from a city to walking to this space, just that mm-hmm. alone is has its own learning that goes yeah. on. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many parents don't even know that that's there. You know that the ravine is there, and it's just it's only <laughs> 10, 20 minute walk. Yeah. Do you have any tips and tricks for curriculum and curriculum on the go? So you are said in terms of you're very intentional about what you're packing up in bags and what you're bringing with them. And I see that you bring tarps with you and looks like you're making a tent here. Yeah, sometimes we'll do like knots and tents and we tend to kind of grab those on the on the rain days. So sort of two parts, like if there's something we're learning about specifically, like one of the classes I'm teaching right now, I see them once a week, but we're talking about growth and change in animals. So if that's something that I'm talking about, then the book that I bring or the resources that I bring will will kind of match that. But at the same time, we do have just things that are available that I would call more like for on the go. You know, we'll have chalk or or bubbles or the tarps or ropes or hammocks or 
things like that that we kind of grab and go just to throw in that might not be really related, but just yeah. accessible for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's always great they to all have carry stuff in their backpack. It looks like they have very, very full backpacks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sometimes, so sometimes we'll we'll stay out for lunch, um, depending on the weather. So as the weather gets warmer here in June, like it's very common for us to kind of leave the school at at nine fifteen and stay out until two thirty. Um, but oh. in the winter, we might bring our snacks and our water, and then we'll bring them back. And you know, these kids that I. T- they're hardly ever cold like even their parents send them with all this stuff and then by the end of the day they're just in their snow pants or they get to the beach they want to take their shoes off their socks off so uh they yeah, they sometimes carry all that stuff with them but sometimes they they'll bring stuff they're interested in too like it won't be sometimes someone will bring a novel that they want to share with a friend or or a diary or a journal or something like that too oh, that they might bring that with them. so yeah. great oh and this is again the ravine Mm-hmm. Um, but in different seasons. Yeah. And it's yeah. amazingly lush. Especially this past summer, it was so, so bright green in there. Um, that's a big hill, so that's kind of on the side. Um, there's a big hill that kids just really love to climb wow. up, and they just go up and down, and they get covered in dirt. But um, it's a popular spot. And then there's a little creek in there that um, that's really that It's a little bit of water, so it's kind of up to their ankles maybe, and I've seen some really, really good teamwork that's happened around there. And it's the kind of thing that when I've had a lesson planned and then one day, you know, all the kids, I think there's about 12 of them, they've decided to build uh, a bridge to cross the water. And they were assigning jobs like a construction crew. Someone was like putting <laughs> the mud down. One person was the director. And just like, anyways, it's those moments that you really see, see the magic happen that you kind of just back and, and let it go. Yeah, that's the key. That's the key. It's beautiful. And so some more pictures of the local ravine. And you had mentioned earlier, but since you are out all day and you do not have a building, you're you're in this public spaces and it's not like you can bring twelve kids into a store or something. How do you handle bathrooms, first aid, or even other challenges that might come up because you are definitely off site? Yeah, and those are kind of things when I talk about starting with those first five kids and my own kind of things. But, you know, we have a pop-up potty now that fits in a backpack. It's very small, but that that actually came up of someone. We were okay with kids kind of peeing outside when they needed to. Um, but one day, and the kid had to had to go number two. And it was the first few weeks, and I was, I knew his mom was at home, so I texted her. She came and caught him. Um, but then she told me about this potty because they had just driven across country and had it in their car. So it literally just pops up, and if the kid there's a bag that goes over it and if the kid wants to use it we kind of just make them a spot the ravine doesn't have any bathrooms so we'll make them a spot behind a tree (laughs) we will let them go most kids are pretty comfortable with that at the beach between october may and october there's a bunch of public bathrooms um, that are open so we'll use those in the winter they close down so we tend to, that's why during the winter, we tend to really come back for lunch and kind of fill up water bottles and, and um, manage the bathrooms that way as well. As far as first aid, we have pretty loaded up first aid kits in our in our bags. We also carry in our backpacks a binder that has, um, so the ravine has a couple exits. So we have all that information 
mapped out in our binder should you have mm-hmm. to call an ambulance or something what's the best entrance depending on where you are same with some of the other spaces we use by the beach um, so everyone will carry that with them as well as now we have um, two instructors uh, with the kids at all times um, should someone need an extra attention or have to split up that way so everyone has phones and uh, we have all the parents information with us in our backpacks as well allergies and pick up information too it's a lot of logistics yeah I think once the bag is ready though like it's we keep the bag in the classroom we have a couple of bags backpacks they're all packed ready to go so it's really just kind of putting the the kids info in if it if you if you're switching bags and then refilling the first aid kit if you've used something but otherwise it's pretty much set up we'll keep wipes in there and extra mittens and things like that too that's awesome incredible sounds like you've got a very well oiled machine (laughs) well oiled so again this is part close to the beach this is is this a different location is this what you were talking about this is the rocky mountains um, (laughs) beside the rink and then um, it's another public park, but it's just kind of like a big open space there. There's a rink and there's um, a playground there and a lot of uh, tables. That's a third place. That's a third yeah. location. Yeah, we go there too. It's yeah. very different. Yeah. Yeah. The trees are actually very different too. We'll have, um, there's some very, very old trees in that park too that are really beautiful, that, that are different trees than in the ravine. And do you have like a set plan, like which place you're going to go to, or do you ask the kids where they want to go? Or we usually have a, a set plan. The only time that we'll really change that up is um, in summer camp. We have about four different groups happening at the same time, wow. um, so we kind of map that out beforehand. Uh, if it's really hot and we need more shaded areas, we might be in the ravine longer or or if it's very rainy um there's some shelters along the beach that don't have walls but have a roof and a gazebo so we might use those spaces more if if it's a very rainy day incredible it's so creative i mean it's ingenious (laughs) really tap into what you already have like the spaces that you already have and i think people I mean, any tips on encouraging educators to tap into the resources that are right? Maybe I think people are afraid because. I I think if you are using the space and you're not just using one space over and over again, I don't know what it's like for everyone, but I know in Toronto, like if you were to use one space all the time for everything, like you might have to connect with the city and talk about permits or this and that. For me, when I've reached out to the city casually um, and mentioned this, they're like, oh, well, if you're not there all the time, like, that's fine. Right? If you're moving around, it's no different than a daycare class, going for a walk or using those spaces. So I think I think that um, if you know if you know the spaces, you know where you are, you know what the risks are. So certain spaces, we have roads and know those ahead of time. But yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be afraid to use the spaces that are available for you. Uh, You don't need to have a million dollar property to to teach kids outside. Yeah. Um, Just need to be outside. Yeah. And you found a way. I mean, I think it's, it's brilliant. It's, and and all the spaces are so different. Mm -hmm. Very fortunate that you've got, we're looking at a field here and we're also looking at kids scooting down a, a snow bank. Yeah. Those are pretty close together, just in different seasons. Yeah. We do a lot of sledding too. (laughs) (laughs) 
So this is an, this is the park that's uh, close yeah. to the beach. Yeah, that's the same area. Um, so that's a gazebo space in there. Um, this huge, is a little, huge, yeah, huge the, gazebo. Yeah, so we pass by the gazebo um, on very rainy days too. Uh, it is a public spot, so you know sometimes there'll be other people there. So we don't book it out if we can use it. We do, and if we can't, we'll move on. So yeah, it's a great space on a on a super hot day or on a on a rainy day for sure. So what you're what we're looking at now for those that are listening is uh, it looks like a. They're all on yoga mats? Yeah, it was a little yoga class that we did. Um, I think they're like ages two and three um, that we did. Just a 45-minute kind of yoga class outdoors last spring. For just fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, so actually, my own kids, my own kids are in there, so I just wanted to see them. Are they in there? Uh, but yeah, we said, yeah, the, yeah little Batman in the yellow shirt, but we're never, <laughs> never too young to learn how to take some deep breaths, right? That was well, we, we, we have a whole <laughs> podcast on mindfulness and nature. So it's, exactly. it's yeah. really, uh, I love seeing this and really thinking about how we can incorporate mindfulness into our forest schools, into our nature programs and, and just oh. this beautiful, how you're using this beautiful, incredible, I mean, it's it, the circle members will see it, but it's just this huge, mm beautiful space so there we go and you have a summer camp which you talked about and again summer camp in the city (laughs) yeah I think um summer camp is definitely like one of our most popular things now and it's kind of taken on a life of its own Um, it's really great most of our counselors are in teachers college or early childhood education students a lot of them that were there last summer are coming back so same thing, we keep the groups really small, less than 12 kids with two educators, and we use those same spaces, and it's really, we also do a, a bit more sports and art and stuff during those times, too. So we call it, like, classic camp, but with some nature education, because we yeah. do put in some nature lessons every day, but it's a really great, great way to spend the summer as a kid, for sure. So from five kids, you said you had, you started <laughs> four or five kids? Yeah. A couple days a week? Yeah, to four or five groups with two yeah. teachers. Now you have a whole staff. Yeah, how did you build that? How did you? It's um, it's it's really interesting. Yeah, we are just building it kind of one one thing at a time, but kind of the right people, the right people. Yeah, our summer camp. I think we're gonna have forty kids a week for six weeks this summer. Wow. So. Yeah, it's it's really cool too because a lot of the kids, you know, they might not come every week, but they'll come on the on the days that there's no school on a PD day, and then they'll come back in the summer, and they're kind of you're kind of seeing them grow and check in, yeah. and hear parents say, "Oh, every time we drive by the ravine, or every time we drive by this, they talk about the time they they spent there." So it has an impact on them for sure. That's fantastic. And has it been hard to find educators to? Yes and no. I think um, here it's hard to find people working here, but sort of the right people, I think, have kind of reached out and, and come from their own interests. We have a few teachers that, similar to me, were, were in the public school board and just needed more time with their families, so they're kind of working two, two days a week here. And most of our staff are supply team, or they do other things as well, so they're kind of part-time, part-time here. Um, yeah, and now I'm learning, like, the business side of it, too. So Yeah, so do you have any tips and tricks for the business? Yeah, I think connecting in groups similar to this or places where you can kind of talk about it to people and they know what you're talking about. I think the first time I had a call with a 
accountant and the first time I talked to someone in insurance they were like oh a daycare and I was like no it's, it's not a daycare you know it's important <laughs> school it's like it's, they didn't know really what I meant and right part of that is it doesn't really exist as much here so I think be, having community having people with similar interests to kind of bounce ideas off of people that have done something similar is a great resource any other tips or tricks in terms of how to Create a forest school, even if you're in the city, how to get outdoors. Yeah, I think that we might have missed. I think I think we hit a lot of it. I think if you are in a traditional class, take going for a walk is a great place to start going into the yard and seeing what you can. I think start small. If you have your own kids, start with them and their friend, or, you know, um, yeah. It's really just just start. I think you won't regret it. It's incredible! It's incredible what you've grown from from teaching and then moving out of teaching and then running five kids and then finding a indoor space in the city and then really stretching that to all of these public spaces and yeah, then training right. not only the children to maneuver to these different spaces but also the staff and. And mm-hmm. now you're a full-blown program, which is pretty, yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. So if anybody wanted to find you, I know you have a beautiful website. Yeah, our website is torontonatureschool.ca. And then we're on Instagram. We're pretty active on Instagram. I tend to kind of upload pictures on the day-to-day for our families and, and community. And that's at Toronto Nature School. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is great. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. To keep this conversation going, connect with me on Instagram. I'm always looking for an excuse to talk about outdoor classrooms. If you are looking for support in launching, managing, and sustaining your outdoor classroom, join us in the Circle, our outdoor classrooms membership community. I'll see you there next time. Don't forget to jump in the mud with the outdoor school shop using the code podcast at check out to get 20% off any rain gear category. See you next time. Bye.